Hey everyone, I am Michelle and you're listening to the She's Cracked podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. You can find all of today's reference items from this episode in the, I think it's like the dashboard of she'scracked.podbean.com. So where all the episodes are listed and there'll be a description of this episode, I'll link everything that we talk about today. Please subscribe on Podbean or via iTunes by searching the iTunes podcast for She's Cracked. Uh, You'll see mine pop right up. You'll see my face uh, with the awesome cover design made by super talented Amanda Fox. It's got my portrait photo on there by the phenomenal Marco Man. We did that shoot a few years back down in Southern California. It's always tons of fun shooting with him. For this episode, you might notice there's a different cover design. So this design comes from the original birthday card. I got this some year in high school from a group of friends. It's the origin of the name She's Cracked. Uh, The doll is a Blythe doll, one of those dolls with like the big heads and big eyeballs and bangs. I looked exactly like that in high school. Um, This was from a Sony Walkman ad campaign. Uh, The She's Cracked caption probably came from one of the teen magazines that was popular at the time. I was, I remember being so stoked to get this card and thinking it was just the coolest birthday card ever. So I was really happy when I found it. A bunch of the letters have fallen off. It's in pretty bad shape, but at least I can tell the story, right? If you have questions or comments on today's episode, drop a comment, drop a review, email me at she'scracked at gmail. I can't wait to connect with you. Today's episode, we're going to get back into the impossible task concept. It's sort of an extension of a video discussion I had on my Facebook and in a couple blog posts. So this will be the first time we're talking about it in the podcast. And I want to explore some of the roots that I believe lead to this concept of the impossible task, and then some of my favorite tools and resources to check those tasks off of your list. This will be a pretty surface, limited exploration today, but there is always more to learn, and there are so many ways to understand our own minds that this topic will definitely have so much more to talk about. It might come up in other episodes. It's There's definitely a lot, and I can't cover it all. So earlier last month, uh, it was early September, I did a video on impossible tasks, which was prompted by this awesome Twitter thread that ended up going viral. I will link to this woman's Twitter thread in the episode details, but essentially she's talking about a sort of form of anxiety where you can't accomplish what seems like basic day-to-day tasks, you know, according to other people, but for whatever reason, it's, it's hard to get these things done. I often wonder, you know, despite all the treatment, all the mindset shifts, self-awareness, research, all the productivity in the world, will those of us who carry these seeds of anxiety or depression deep inside us always have to consciously manage them to keep them from growing and rooting? Or, you know, is there some magical time in our lives where they'll go away completely? I have no idea. One of my favorite quotes by Tom Waits, uh, aside from his genius lyric and songwriting, basically my favorite quote that is not from a song, he says, don't plant your bad days. They grow into weeks. The weeks grow into months. Before you know it, you got yourself a bad year. Take it from me. Choke those little bad days. Choke them down to nothing. 
So when you let those little seeds of anxiety and depression root and run wild, if you water them with your attention and energy, they're going to take over. We see this in action when we're feeling kind of out of control or super depressed for an extended period of time. I have personally done a lot of work in my lifetime, especially just in the last year alone, to sort of hack these weeds and branches back to clear my path so I can move forward in my life. I don't know that it will ever be fully gone, but I'm familiar with it. I know its triggers and I know how to keep it at at bay without the kind of suppression that is just going to lead to a massive eruption down the road. So during this video and discussion about the impossible tasks, I was really, really thrilled to get so much engagement among my friends and learn more about their tasks that, for whatever reason, were just really difficult to accomplish. Some of the tasks that people volunteered to share, let's see, one was getting the car washed. This came from a friend I've known since we were about 10 years old, but it really wasn't until later in life as adults that we were able to share our individual experiences with depression and anxiety. So I thought it was really cool that she jumped right into that conversation and was talking about things that she had learned and some tools that she learned. What's awesome for her, she has a kind of friend support system that a friend of hers actually recognized this paralysis and volunteered to get her car washed for her without her having to ask. She started using the five second rule as well, which I will include that in the episode details because I think that video is really interesting. Another one of my friends was talking about sort of getting taken down by anxiety at work. It was crushing their confidence. It was hindering even simple tasks that are totally within reach. It wasn't limited to one thing being super daunting, but it was really anything that came up sort of in the midst of that anxiety attack. Another task was, let's see, cleaning my apartment. Quote, it took me two weeks to do my dishes. Okay, I have to honestly thank dishwashing appliances for helping me with this. To be honest, I have a lot of anxiety around cleaning. I like things to be neat and clean, but I also have some traumatic experiences around cleaning, cleaning products. I'm not going to get into this today, but it's taking time for me to get over it. Let's see another one. Uh, Upgrading a career or changing a career path completely. I do a lot of coaching client work in this area, so I know it's incredibly common for people to feel a lot of anxiety around changing their career. Um, It's often tied to, you know, your foundation, your total sense of security, routine, and predictability, you know, paying your utility bills. If you're going to change a career completely and you don't know what's ahead of you, that can be incredibly scary. So if I'm looking at all of these and kind of the things we're talking about, most of these tasks tend to gravitate either towards a social anxiety or a fear anxiety. Most emotions that can be reduced down to anxiety or fear really are reactions to either hurt or pain, which, you know, fear avoidance, you know, avoiding hurt or pain, avoiding the tasks that induce hurt or pain, this is a totally natural method of survival. But most of us are not running from literal predators, so that sort of physiological, mental response of fear and anxiety, even if it helped our ancestors, it's not incredibly helpful to us anymore. With our species level, well, you'd hope, level of reasoning, Understanding these emotions and the root cause should allow us to return to normal function 
within you know a society of our fellow humans. So as I was reading through all these, I started to try and itemize the types of anxiety, types of fear into some of the common threads, which were you know so the social anxiety, uh, a fear of related consequences, a fear of failure, fear of succeeding, fear of judgment. So we'll start with social anxiety. This can come up when the task requires leaving your house or potentially interacting with others in a public or social space. Uh, those who deal with social anxiety have, you know, a million reasons why this is difficult. For some people, it could be encountering or fear of encountering a bad experience, or it could be just the basic interaction with people being the basis of that fear. You know, there's a million ways this could go. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'll let you do, you know, your own reading on that. I've mostly gotten over social anxiety in my own life. It does creep up here and there. But I will share with you three specific experiences that have made it really hard for me to leave the house in the past. So first, when I was three or four years old, I was kidnapped from a video rental store. If you were born after maybe the 90s or 2000s, you have no clue what this is, and this was long before Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, but you used to have to go to a physical store to rent movies. I know, it's crazy. Anyway, a man walked in, he walked right past my mom, he picked me up, threw me over his shoulder, and he walked out of the store. I don't have to tell you that this was terrifying. Uh, the second thing, at age five, I would say this was in kindergarten, my after school sitter left me at the Exploratorium and had actually started to drive home with the rest of the kids in our group before realizing she had left me. Now the Exploratorium is an awesome place but if you remember the original location in San Francisco it was huge and it was way bigger being that tiny of a person at just five years old. And then way way later I was either 15 or 16 this was in high school I used to take the train to school. I had a guy follow me on the train every day, and after about a week of following me a little further each time, he got off at my same stop. He grabbed my backpack and tried to drag me into an alley. So the way the train tracks are situated, situated, this was sort of underneath the train station itself and completely isolated loading side of a commercial street. So there really weren't a lot of people around. There wasn't any traffic. There was nowhere I could have gone or really called for help. All of these experiences created nightmares over several years. You know, I might have been dreaming that I was leaving my house without a key and getting locked out or I had a key with me, but someone chases me to my door and then suddenly the key doesn't fit. So these are my original triggers of that anxiety of leaving the house that they did dissipate over the last few decades, but it's one of those things that it's never fully gone, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced their own versions of this. So the next one that we were looking at is the fear of related consequences. And that's a term I completely made up just to describe it. It's not scientific. But in this category, I would put something like, you know, you see a bill or you see an IRS letter when you're already stressed out about money. 
I know a lot of people, I did this in my 20s, uh, who refused to look at their bank balances for extended periods of time due to fear of not having enough funds or seeing a negative balance or sometimes they just, they know a bill is late, even if they do have the money for it, whatever it is, this can cascade into refusing to open the bills or refusing to even check the mail. I do a lot of coaching on financial topics using my experience uh, in corporate finance and behavior. So definitely email me or drop a comment if this is something that you've experienced or you have a funny story or, or you need some help with it. And then that next one, the fear of failure or judgment and the fear of succeeding. So this sounds a little bit weird, but they can coexist. The fear of failure and fear of success can go hand in hand. How is they both come from an ingrained message at some point in our life of extreme criticism or extreme perfectionism. We might have had a parent or a teacher or a relative, someone in our lives that maybe had their own instilled anxieties, maybe some OCD, various other difficulties. And I am you know, basing this on my experience and exposure to the field, so you can completely disagree with my understanding of where this comes from. But when you're super young and you are repeatedly scolded, corrected, or controlled at that young age, this really plants that seed of self-doubt. It makes children who lack trust in themselves and their abilities, and this really cascades into your adulthood. You know, adults are supposed to know better, so if they are repeatedly telling us as children, we're doing something wrong, we're doing a task the wrong way, our idea is wrong, our way of going about something is wrong, we must, you know, trust the adult. Surely we must be incapable, right? Because they're telling us, you know, they know better and they're telling us that we're wrong. You know, some things probably kids shouldn't do, you know, operate heavy machinery, play with guns, drugs, stovetops. True story, I put my hand on an electric stovetop when I was a kid because I grew up with a gas stove, so I was convinced that it was turned off. But anyway, normal growth and individuation requires that kids... First, you know, they're allowed to explore and return on their own, you know, within a safe boundary. And second, that they're allowed to fail and pick themselves back up. I'm not talking about neglecting them and letting them, you know, walk into a ditch or something. But I mean, they need the freedom to explore boundaries during each of the development stages and with each level of advanced tasks they're going to continue to encounter as they grow. I think this is super important in that learning process and I think it's absolutely critical to children becoming self-sufficient and confident adults who don't have these decision paralysis situations where anxiety is getting in the way of just a basic errand. When we're young, we often don't understand that we're being given false limits or being told false information or that this is not really our shortcoming. I would assume this is also really typical with children who grow up fast and take on more adult tasks at an age that's much younger than their cognitive development at that stage. Um, if you looked at you know, the Piaget model, it's that age between four and seven when children are developing intuition, memory, they're sort of exiting that egocentric processing and emerging into understanding of other people's thoughts, situations, things that happen outside of themselves. But even though they can experience or into it, distress or discord, they don't necessarily have that next level of operational or logical reasoning to communicate that something is wrong or distressing or to recognize 
even that it's being inflicted by the dysfunction of adults. You know, they can't necessarily separate their ego's absorption of that message that we're doing wrong from the adult's toxic behaviors or harmful behaviors or whatever the situation is. Fortunately, what's really great here, once we are well into our adulthood, having enjoyed the roller coaster of early adulthood where we're probably still floundering around and figuring this out, we do have an opportunity to remove that false dilemma of two poor choices, that either or, that zero sum. We have the option to seek a third choice, which is trust our abilities, or if we can't accomplish something, seek out those who know more about the task that could help us out so that we can accomplish the task and move on. And this might sound weird, but the really cool thing about fear since we are no longer escaping predators in the evolutionary physical sense, fear is a purely ego level response. This means we can completely separate it or entirely remove it from our own experiences every day with a conscious awareness. If you're experiencing this sort of anxious paralysis on a regular basis, I definitely advocate for some combination of therapy, whether it's a combination of CBD, the cognitive behavioral therapy and EMDR, which can help with uprooting some of that weight that might be dragging you down or help you identify what those weights are if maybe they're so far buried, you know, in your memory or it's buried deep enough that it's not obvious the first few times you've tried to identify them. If it keeps coming back up, it's probably a few layers even under that. So I think, you know, any combination of those therapies can help dig up really what those root causes are and get to the bottom of them to help start releasing them. Ultimately, it is up to you to read up, to reach out, determine what sort of treatments or behaviors and tools will help you, but those are things that, you know, I think are very helpful. I also want to offer some tools now that we can go through to help accelerate getting over that little hump of the impossible task. So, Basic organizational tactics can help. The ones that I'm listing here are totally free. I'll include the links um, to some of these tools and some videos and then a link that my friend had suggested about the five second rule and a couple tips that work really well for me. I don't know if all of this will show up in the iTunes episode description, but you can find all of this on the She's Cracked dot podbean.com page where all the episodes are. So the first one that I super love is using Asana or a similar task-based platform. I love Asana for a variety of just task planning, planning my calendar, really basic project management, and I use this in my personal life and I use this in my professional life and I use this at my day job career as well. All of their primary functions are included in the free account level, so I think you should definitely check it out. Another thing that helps me is to group similar tasks together, especially if they're a bunch of small kind of loose end tasks that you can do at the same time. Just get them all done together and then they're gone. You've freed up a whole lot of brain power and time to do some of the more daunting or bigger tasks. Then back to the five second rule, if you can do something the second you think of it, do it right then. Don't wait if you don't have to wait. If you 
can't do it right then, for instance, you have to go somewhere or you need a specific tool, schedule time to do it, and that, you know, you can do that with Asana or some kind of calendar and task function. One that is really great is get a task buddy. This helps me when some of my tasks have just dragged on way too long. You know, there's two approaches here. You can grab a friend that also has uh, impossible task anxiety piling up for them. And then you guys can be each other's sort of support system and get them done together. You already know it's going to be kind of a no judgment zone and you're both going to accomplish something and and then be able to move on and, you know, maybe celebrate after. I don't know. Or the other side of that, you can grab a friend who is typically super productive to be your sort of steward and motivate you to action. You know, follow the pep in their step and you'll have those tasks done, probably not even realizing it. I have to give a shout out to my old roommate, Isaac. He did this for me a lot more often than he may realize. It could have been simple things like going out to events, getting dinners, picking up laundry. So thanks a lot, dude. And then the last one I really, really like is to zoom out. I use this a lot in my coaching sessions. Um, Anxiety is a very up-close, suffocating experience. It's very claustrophobic. When you zoom out from that task and that feeling of anxiety, you can really identify the thoughts you're having, acknowledge that they are thoughts and not reality, and then look at the task objectively. Really separate your task from that feeling of anxiety, and all you got to work on is the task. This zoom out exercise is part of a sort of seven-step program I use in coaching people through anxiety triggers. Um, But this one step of that list will actually, I would say, ease the majority of your brain's engagement that's stuck in that anxiety gear and won't let you shift on to your next step or your next task. So if any of those work for you, I would love for you to drop a comment, add a review, send me an email. Those tools are helpful for me. You might have some other ones that work really awesome for you. I would love to hear about them. I would also love to hear about ways that you have accomplished your impossible tasks. So I'm going to leave all the reference links in the episode details. You can subscribe at she'scracked.podbean.com or via iTunes by searching the podcasts for She's Cracked. I would also ask one thing if you're listening to this and you don't personally deal with impossible tasks or that sort of anxiety-based decision paralysis, If you encounter someone who does deal with this, don't automatically assume that they're lazy or incapable. They might be struggling with something and everyone has to get through their day with the tools that they have. And sometimes they might just need a little bit of space, a little bit of compassion, or maybe just a little nudge. So if you see a friend stuck in that gear and there's a small nudge or helping hand, see if you can help get them unstuck as well. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening.